Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. In this episode, I want to talk about the art of being prepared. Now, I was in the Boy Scouts when I was a kid, all the way from Bobcat, Cub Scout, all the way through Eagle Scout. And of course, anybody who knows anything knows that the motto of the Boy Scouts is be prepared. So that was drilled into us as children. My parents also were very fond of the idea of being prepared for whatever may come your way. And, uh, you know, when that television show MacGyver came out, I think in the eighties or something about, you know, this guy who would, uh, who could like fix a helicopter engine with a, a paper clip and a couple of rubber bands. You remember MacGyver? Well, everybody was MacGyver in my life. And I think it, you know, it grew out of the fact that my parents were born and raised during the depression and were also farming families. So you had to make do with what you had and you always remain prepared for the unforeseeable. You know, if the grocery store in their town closed down, they weren't going to starve. Not for a long time. They might not have the everything that they wanted and used on a, on a regular basis. But, you know, the cellar was full of canned goods and the garden was producing and you know, there were, there were resources. Uh, my grandmother had a, had a garden shed out next to her garden and in between the house and the big barn. And I don't know how many jars, cans, crates, boxes, kegs, just any kind of container. That little shed was piled, packed to the gills with containers. She never threw away a container. Never knew she might need it. Same went for Grandpa's barn. You'd go in there and it was just, it was a museum of stuff. Just stuff. Because you never threw something away because you might need it. Well, in, in this day and age, that is all gone. These these little um, children, uh, like college students, they go around today they're completely unprepared for anything. This morning I got up and I said, well, my wife and son are still out of town. I'm going to ride down to town. There's a little coffee shop there. I'm going to get me a cup of coffee and just sit around for a little bit. I go in there and I am behind a whole crowd of what appear to be college students. Maybe they're, I don't know what they're doing. It's, it's in summer. Maybe they're here visiting the college or registration. I don't know. It's just a whole slew of college students all lined up at the register and they're having a good time and all ordering, you know, all the different things. And every single one of them had a cell phone in their hand that I, I watched this group of eight or nine young people and every single one of them, it took a while for me to finally get up to order my one cup of coffee Every single one of them multiple times looked at their cell phone while they were standing in line. 
I, of course, didn't have a cell phone on me, didn't even have it in the car. It was at home. In fact, I don't even know where it is right now. The old flip phone. And every single one of them paid using plastic money. This took a while because they, they're ordering all this bizarre stuff and they're, they're having fun and everything. Get to the last person. There's one more person in front of me in line, orders something, something or other, and goes to pay. And you can tell the person, all, all they have on them is their car key, cell phone, and a some kind of little plastic debit card or credit card or something. Orders what they want, swipes the card. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I'm standing there. I have in my hand two $1 bills, a dime, and a penny because one 12-ounce coffee costs exactly $2.11, and I've got the money in my hand ready to go. This took five minutes to sort this out, and eventually, eventually, I guess they got it to work or something. I don't know. And I walk up there, and without even asking, the lady behind the counter just hands me, just sets down the 12-ounce coffee cup. She already knows what I want. And I just hand her the 211 and walk off. Anyway, I, I fear for the, <laughs> the current generation. They don't know how to do anything. Well, they know how to do a lot of things. They do know how to do a lot of things, but I, I don't know if, you know, I want to be with them on a road trip when they have a flat tire or something, you know. Anyway, let me get this back to bluegrass. I played, I don't know how many gigs. I, I think I tried to add it up one time in an episode. How many gigs, how many rehearsals, how many things I've gone to in bluegrass. I, I don't know. It's been a lot. And, uh, I always tried to be prepared, especially if it was a gig, this wouldn't, I wouldn't be as prepared just going to a jam session or going to a show or, you know, if I was going to a festival, I would be, I would ramp up the preparedness thing, but I had kind of a you know, a dividing line. If I were being paid to perform, to fulfill a contract, to do something for someone else that I've committed to, even if it were just a rehearsal, if I was on that side of that line where I was obligated, then I wanted to be not just prepared, but super prepared, over prepared. And then if I was on the other side of the line where, you know, I'm going to a jam session or something and, you know, if I bust a string on my mandolin and I don't have any spares, it's no big deal. There's four other mandolin players there and I just put it in a case and go home. You know, I'm not obligated to perform. But if you are obligated to perform, regardless of whether there is money involved, if you're obligated to perform, it is your responsibility to come prepared. Now, over the years, sometimes I wasn't so prepared, and certainly in the early days. There were things that would go awry, you know, a flaw in the slaw. Something went wrong, and from that experience, you learned, you know. I can remember doing a gig in the very early days, and we didn't own a PA, so we rented a PA. 
and it was a little four channel head, two speakers, I think two microphones, two cables. That, that was basically, they just gave us this thing, you know, 75 bucks or 50 bucks or something. And we had this PA and we carted it off to a gig. Well, we get there and one of the microphone cables doesn't work. Well, he gave us, he gave us two wires, two mic stands and two mics. And one of them wouldn't work. And I learned from, you know, from that gig, you need to carry spares. And, you know, for many years I ran and hauled the PA for our band Pony Express. And I was also involved with, with Cedar Hill. And we're talking 30 years of this, of being one of those bands that most of our gigs, we ran our own sound. We provided our own PA system, lights, the whole deal. And, you know, I really learned how to deal with that sort of stuff from the McIsaac brothers, Bob and Fred McIsaac, who in Cedar Hill had a trailer, had all the PA gear and maintained and, you know, did all that. And then later on with Pony Express, I did the same thing. I was basically a one man, Bob and Fred for our band. And what I learned is that if it involves wires, connectors, and anything involved with a PA system, there's a good chance you may have a problem. It's just the nature of hauling that stuff all over the place, letting it sit in a hot trailer, you know, during the week, high humidity, low humidity, corrosion, rough handling, things getting stepped on, things getting dropped that sometimes it didn't work. But in Cedar Hill, there was always a solution at hand. And here's the basic principles that, that Bob and Fred worked from. And that was, if the band needed seven microphones, we carried 10. If you need 50 feet of power cord, you carry 200 feet. If you don't need lights, it's a middle of the day gig and there's no reason to bring the lights. You bring them anyway. It might rain. Maybe they're going to move you inside into the dark corner of some. Didn't matter. You always brought the lights with spare bulbs. Of course, if you needed 10 microphone cables to hook up everything, you brought 16, maybe 20. If you use two main speaker cables, well, you carry three, at least, maybe four. You don't want to be caught short. If you need those two speaker cables and one doesn't work, you got a little problem there. And yes, you could get out the soldering gun, the cable tester, the voltmeter, the electrical tape and get busy and, and we carried all that stuff too, but you didn't want to have to use that stuff. That was just for absolute total emergencies. If you needed one power amplifier for the mains, you carried two. This is just the way it works. Now there were certain things that were so reliable. You didn't have to worry about things like a microphone stand. If you had a good quality microphone stand, some things you could just trust they would work, but we tended to still carry spares, even on something as rudimentary as a microphone stand. Anyway, you get the idea. This is how 
when Cedar Hill showed up for a gig and it was time for us to play, it started and everything worked every time. And that doesn't mean there were never problems. There were problems. But we also had the long-standing principle of arriving early. Not just early, but extremely early. It's better to be there early and not need that extra time than to arrive, you know, just in time. We can set up in 15 minutes, that, that sort of thing, and then have a problem that takes 30 minutes to iron out. Anyway, you get the idea. If you're a band and you're out gigging, you need to think like this. Think like two is one and one is none. In other words, carry spares. Test stuff. You're not doing anything in between the gigs. Pull all the gear out. Check it all out. Do all your cable testing at home in between gigs. You know, get yourself a, get all your wires out. Get your cable tester. Open a beer and sit there and listen to some music while you run through every single cable. Poking them in there. Shaking them around, twisting and pulling on them. And making a pile of good ones and bad ones. And set the bad ones aside. Do not carry those to the gig. Get busy and repair them. This sort of thing is what makes, especially these local bands like we were, that primarily provided our own sound and lights. If you're one of these festival where you primarily play over other people's equipment, it's kind of a different thing. Now, the guy running sound, he's doing all those things. But there are a lot of, you know... Not, not even higher caliber, but if, if you're always playing on other people's sound systems, you're relieved of a lot of that. But you still have those same sort of responsibilities for your instruments, your, your pedals, your cables, anything that you're providing for the, for the gig, you know, you need to take the same attitude with. So at gigs, let's say I was doing a gig. And it was not one where we were providing the PA. Maybe we were the opening act at the Variety Playhouse or something like that. They're going to have a sound man. They're going to do lights. We don't have to worry about any of that. But what am I going to bring? And, and how will I play, apply that same always be prepared? You know, you might think, well, I need to bring my instrument. I need directions, how to get there. I need, I need to know what time we get there. I need a pick. I'll probably need, maybe carry a tuner, some spare strings, and, and I'm going to find out, you know, what am I supposed to wear? No, <laughs> that's, that's just the beginning. You know, let's say, let's say I had a gig and like that, we're not doing sound and lights, just I'm coming to perform. That's it. I'm going to have all those things like directions, what to wear, you know, all that stuff I just mentioned. I'm definitely going to bring my mandolin. And if I'm plugging in, I'm going to have the cables and spare batteries for pedal and all that kind of stuff. Spare cables. If I, if I typically use two cables, I'll have at least three. I'm going to have the tuner and spare batteries. 
I'm going to have at least two sets of strings. I'm going to have wire cutters and I like those wire cutters. I like a good quality set of wire cutters because music wire is very hard. And if you buy a cheap set at the dollar store, just a little sorry set of wire cutters, and you look at them about six months later, you'll see all these dings in the edge. You know, they just don't harden the steel properly. So I like to get a good pair of wire cutters and they will last for a long, long time. And I like the kind that have the little needle nose tip. So it's a, it's a needle nose pliers with wire cutters, but get a good set and, uh, you'll use that so much in string changing and things. I always carry an emery board. It can be useful for a lot of things. You know, the least of which be being your fingernails, but also carry some nail clippers. And a lot of times I'm not the one using them. I might be handing them to somebody else. Cause I don't know how many times somebody said, Hey, anybody got a pair of nail clippers? Yeah, I do. What else you need? I got everything. Super glue. I always carry one or two tubes of super glue. Um, I'm not going to describe the many ways in which super glue can be used. I would carry what I call the drug store and it was just a little plastic bag or, or sometimes it might be like a secrets box, one of those old tin boxes and in it would be, you know, a couple of Tylenol, a couple of aspirin, you know, a couple of band-aids. Um, there's a product called Imodium AD. I've never used it at a gig. But I have handed some to a, an ailing uh, fellow musician. And, you know, the last thing, and I don't mean to get gross here, but if you show up and you've got a gig to do and it's four hours long and one of your members is just groaning and having to make multiple trips backstage, he, this guy's having some serious problems. These tacos are not agreeing with him. Uh, you know, you might save the day and make a, make a friend if you go, Hey, 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 here, take this. Maybe this will help. Carrying the little drugstore. Uh, business cards, obviously. I've talked about that before. Um, pens, a pen that actually writes, uh, you know, maybe a pencil. Some index cards. Just it doesn't take much space in your case. Put that stuff in there. Uh, and as a mantle player, I always carried a guitar capo, a regular old shub capo. I didn't need it for myself, but... You'd be surprised how many times I have been in a situation where all of a sudden a guitar player couldn't find his capo. And, you know, you could be the hero and say, dude, I just happen to have one with me. Here you go. Because I hate to play bluegrass and be playing in B and hearing those bar chords. You know, it just doesn't sound like bluegrass. And uh, this has happened on stage at a festival. Walk on stage. I mean, you know, kick off the first song and it's in G and then we're switching to A and the guitar player turns white. I go, no problem. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, here's another thing. Always carry a red bandana. Now you could say maybe handkerchief, towel, whatever. You just never know. You know, some clown spills a beer on your case and you just want to wipe it off or Whatever, but but I highly recommend the red bandana. And this is from personal experience. Again, I don't mean to get gross here, but I was playing a gig one time, and one of the musicians in the band were just about to walk out on stage. 
I mean, literally seconds away, they are saying our name. We are ready to go on. And the guy gets a nosebleed. Maybe it was like high blood pressure from nervousness. I, I don't know. You know, it happens. Stuff like that happens. You reach in your back pocket and hand that guy that red bandana. Maybe he can, uh, you know, squelch the bleeding and, and it doesn't look like, you know, a murder scene up there. Give the guy a white handkerchief. It's, it's just going to be really obvious, you know? So that red bandana, I'm telling you, it's all, that has only happened maybe twice in my 30, 40 some years of playing. But, you know, and, and of course I say, Hey, just keep it. <laughs> I don't want it back. But, you know, you can, you can be that guy or gal that saves the day and it can save you sometimes too. You know, I also would always carry a little bit of, um, 300 and 600 grit sandpaper. Some of that black wet and dry sandpaper, just a couple little squares of it. I carried that for myself to, uh, you know, refurbish picks. I was a longtime user of tortoiseshell and I would work on pigs and slick them up and stuff. That's a, that's pretty useful to have a couple little bits of that in there. Um, spare picks, obviously I used to carry a little, when these Leatherman tools came out, I added one of those little multi tools to what I toted around. I th thought it was always a good idea also to, you know, carry at least 20 bucks on you probably in ones or fives. You just never knew. You might have to, you know, tip some guy, you know, like you're trying to get in the back entrance of the, uh, of a hotel in downtown Atlanta at the service entrance. And you need to leave your car there for, you know, 15 minutes while you guys go up and try to find a cart to come to, you know, come down the freight elevator. And, you know, you slide some guy, a $5 bill that works the hotel and say, Hey, can you watch his trailer for a few minutes? He will, he will watch that trailer for you. You just never know. Don't, don't go, you know, you can't do that with plastic, plastic money. Another thing is to possibly carry a little food and water. At a lot of our gigs, we were treated like royalty and we would be fed and we came to almost assume that, you know, but there were times when we were absolutely just the hired help. I remember in particular going to a gig at the Capital City Club in Atlanta or it might've been the Piedmont driving club, two very exclusive clubs in Atlanta. And we occasionally play there. And that was the kind of place that, you know, if the bathroom had an attendant, you know, would hand you a, a fresh towel, <laughs> whatever. And, you know, I remember I stole a comb from the capital city club. It was, he had the little gold lettering on it. You know, the guy handed me a comb. So I combed my hair with, I just stuck in my pocket as I was walking out. I don't know if I was supposed to give it back or not. I guess I stole that comb. I was taking full advantage of the wonderful services that they had there at the Capital City Club or might have been the Piedmont Driving Club. Anyway, at a place like that, you might be wise to have a couple of granola bars and maybe a bottle of water in your in your stuff because uh, probably they don't want you eating with the clientele, you know. But at a lot of places, you know, they treated you like royalty and, you know, you got to enjoy all the all the spread put out for, for the guests. That was, you know, the usual thing when you've worked a lot of private parties and corporate gigs, I'll tell you what, it's a much better world than, than hitting those festivals where you're lucky if you got a bottle of water in the back.
and some stale cookies or something. And uh, anyway, another thing that I would carry would be a raincoat or poncho. Um, you just never know when it's going to rain. And, you know, you want to get soaked, hauling your gear or doing whatever. Also, uh, a couple of, and these don't take any space, uh, a couple of these giant plastic leaf bags. You hope you don't need them for anything, but hey, many times you need them. We used to play at the Atlanta steeplechase or a lot of, you know, a lot of outdoor gigs and you never knew when a little summer shower would come up and you can just throw that bag right over the top of the speakers and it, it saves you a lot of trouble. You can actually continue playing with those over the speakers. Um, umbrella, you know, sometimes you might feel like a dork. You're looking at the clouds as you're driving downtown and getting ready to go to this gig. And, you know, it looks like it might rain. So I come waltzing into the gig with my mantle case on one hand and a, an umbrella in my other hand. And, you know, people looking at you like, what's toting an umbrella for? And then as we're leaving it, uh, you know, one in the morning and it's just a steady little drizzle coming down and I've got the umbrella. They don't think I'm such an idiot. You know, you might also toss in a couple of towels. This is in particular if you're, you know, running, running your own sound and playing, paying gigs. Um, now, of course, anytime you're transporting yourself or your PA gear to a gig, and I mean a gig where you're expected to be there, not where it's optional. You know, I've gone to things where I got halfway there and something happened. I just turned around and went back home. But if, if you're under contract and you, you're obligated to be someplace, you know, plan, get there plenty early. But in that car or in the truck, you know, obviously spare tire, make sure it's got air in it. <laughs> Nothing worse than pulling out your spare and finding out it's flat too. Uh, pressure gauge and a tire pump. You know, obviously you, you need the jack, but... If you're hauling a trailer, you need to know that that jack will work for the trailer, too. In other words, the trailer needs its own jack and tire tool, you know, lug wrench and things like that. I have on more than one occasion changed a tire on the side of I-285 on the traffic side in the emergency lane on the way to a gig. And if you play as, as many gigs as I did over the years, it's going to happen to you, too. If you don't have that, you're going to be late or you're never going to show up. I would also carry a tire plug kit. There's been times that I've gone to a gig, everything was fine, and I'm getting ready to leave and it's midnight and I go out there and I've got a low tire. Well, you pump it up and it's just going down, pull the tire off, get the tire plug kit out, plug, pull that nail out and plug that tire. I've done that too. I've done a lot of engine repairs, you know, minor stuff. Like I remember, uh, you know, my, my truck overheating on the way to a gig and I had driven two and a half hours up into the mountains to this gig and start overheating on me. And I managed to get there. And of course I was talking to the other guys about it during the thing, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do to make it back home? And ended up pulling the upper radiator hose off and taking a long screwdriver and just punching holes in the in the thermostat valve, which was stuck. I surmise that was the problem. 
putting the thing back on, dumping some water in it, and driving all the way home, no problems. In fact, it was a couple of weeks before I actually pulled that thermostat valve out and replaced it. You know, knowing how to do some of this stuff can save you, and it can make you the band that people call because when we call them, they always show up and everything goes great. Well, they don't know about all the problems that happen that we fix along the way, you know. Also in that car or truck, I'm going to carry tools, you know, basic stuff, screwdriver, hammer, crescent wrench, duct tape, always going to have them jumper cables, you know. I, I carry a, you know, a little like battery kit of stuff, you know, one of those little tools that you can clean battery terminals with. And sometimes I'll even carry a, you know, a couple of spare terminals and flashlight, you know, this stuff. And uh, I'm thinking of those, uh, I'll call them kids that were in line at the coffee shop. I'll bet you they don't know how to do any of this stuff. I'm just guessing. Now there's probably an exception in there. But uh, <laughs> I worry about people like that. Anyway, I'll admit if you're, you know, if you're a casual player and you're just going to jam sessions and stuff, you, you don't need all this stuff. But, you know, if you're being paid to be there, and especially if you're running your own sound, there's a lot of stuff that's better to have and not need. And one other little thing I'll mention before I close this one out is on a couple of occasions this has occurred. I'm thinking of one, one gig in particular. I got called a couple of guys from our band got called to play. You know, this guy had booked a bluegrass gig and he's hunting up musicians. So he's, you know, picking people out of other bands. So he's, you know, he booked the gig and we're playing his stuff and he's providing the sound and lights and so on. So all we had to do was show up. So I show up early, of course, everybody did except him. He, he arrived late. He was like 20 minutes late. I mean, 20 minutes late from the, after the time we were supposed to already be playing, not 20 minutes late from the hour and a half early time, which we were supposed to arrive. I'm talking about it. he's 20 minutes late. We're supposed to play at 7. It's 7.20 when he pulls up. That's bad. That's a bad sign. And so we're trying to help him get the PA, and he's just basically got a pile of junk just thrown into the back of his car. And he's pulling out speakers and wires and cables, and it's just a rat nest of stuff that he called a PA. And I couldn't make heads, you know, we, we hauled the speakers and set them up, but I, I didn't know what all that mess of wires was. And it was his gig. So we just kind of stood by and tried to help him, but it was just a mess. And it was a solid hour late that we hit our first note. And I don't even think everything was even working at that point. You know, the client was getting seriously restless and, uh, I wished that I had not even accepted the gig, you know, anyway, don't be that guy. Okay. Just don't be that guy. Get your ducks in a row. Anyway, this, this list of, um, things that I carry, just basic little stuff that I carry to gigs. A long time ago, I wrote an article, uh, called what's in your case. And it appeared in my long forgotten um, mandolin newsletter that I used to produce. I think I started around summer of 2005 through winter of 2008. 
and I put out this newsletter. I was selling Mandolin Masterclass and Mandolin Training Camp and building up this little mailing list of people who had bought them. And I decided, well, I'll just create this newsletter if somebody wants to be on this newsletter. And I would each month send them the newsletter and, you know, tell them about any new things that I had and stuff like that. Anyway, I eventually stopped that as I sort of replaced that with what I was doing on my website. But anyway, those archives are still there. So if you're a mandolin player and you want to uh, take a look at my old, it was called Mando University News, which at that time I had that domain. Um, somebody else grabbed that domain and I don't think it even exists anymore. But ignore everywhere you see in those newsletters, it'll say MandoUniversity.com or something like that. Just Everything is moved these days to bradleylaird.com. And anyway, all those archives are still there of the newsletters, and they're all in PDF form. If you're a mantle player and you want to read some of the wild stuff, it it was sort of, you know, a predecessor to what I do in this podcast where I just sort of has my ideas and some stuff to tell you, and I, I used to put it in the newsletter. And now I put it in this podcast. But anyway, if you go to the show notes for this episode, go to grasstalkradio.com and slide down to this episode. I'll put a link to uh, the location on my website where that archives exists. And, you know, feel free to have a look at them. There's some pretty funny stuff in there. So you could tell sometimes I was a little short of content. And uh, some of the stuff is 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 pretty uh entertaining and some of it I, I've gone back and looked at and I was like, man, this is this is pure genius. And I would reread my own article from, you know, like twelve years ago and go, man, that's actually a very good idea. Anyway, you mandolin players scope that out. And uh that's all I've got for this episode. Thanks for listening and uh thanks for supporting the show to those of you who have done that and I do appreciate it. And tell your friends about the show and long live bluegrass.